If you're turning your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be turning to the book of Genesis. And no, this is not Luke, this is Genesis. But it's kind of part of our series in Luke. We came up last time in Luke chapter 6 on the Bible's teaching on the Sabbath. And Jesus and the Pharisees and their handling of the Sabbath. And I thought it would be good to just stand still for one Sunday and do a topical sermon on the Sabbath. Do we keep the Sabbath or the Lord's Day? Now, that question has split churches. It has split the Christian denomination, not just for these last 100 years, but even longer than that. And so, as we look at the book of Genesis, let's see what God has to say on this important issue. Where does it come from? Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 2 and 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. God had created the heavens and the earth and everything on them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, a little word comes up there, rest. God rested. Did God need rest? He's all-powerful. No. So it must be something else. This is a pattern God was setting for mankind. Now, I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. God has set this pattern of the principle of rest, one day in seven rest, and now he applies it to his nation, the nation Israel, when he gives them formally the Ten Commandments. Not just their moral law, but their ceremonial law. The Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. Verses 8 to 10. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. In my office, I have a, an, instru- an instrument called a barometer. It's actually a little weather station, and it tells me the temperature in my office, and by the way, the other day it was 30 degrees Celsius. It's amazing. Lunchtime I was just preparing like this. I was sleeping half the time. 30 degrees Celsius, and the humidity was 40%, and I'm surprised it wasn't higher. But it kind of gives us an indication of when it's going to rain, or if it's going to rain or not. This whole Sabbath issue, keeping the Sabbath or not keeping the Sabbath, 
is in one way a, a bit of a barometer for us as pastors too. Because when people are going through difficult times in their lives, sometimes they tend to absent themselves and stop attending regular worship services. It's just an indication. However, having said that, I want to state this too, that there are people who are sitting in our churches who have been here for every single Sunday, and yet they're going straight to hell because they don't have a right relationship in their heart with the Lord Jesus Christ. So the framework that I want to put around what we're going to speak about today is that the Sabbath, keeping of the Sabbath or not, is not a salvation issue. You need to understand that. Whether you come to church every Sunday or not, whether you keep the Sabbath on a Saturday or the Sunday, is not a salvation issue. We might disagree on this, but if your heart is right with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will still get into heaven one day. It's not a salvation issue. However, it is an understanding and an obedience issue. It is an understanding and an obedience issue. This issue of whether we meet on Saturdays or Sundays for the Sabbath has caused division for many hundreds of years now. And there's a little cartoon I found which I thought was kind of helpful. God could have made it easier on us if he had just told us very directly. But he didn't. And so we find during history that there have been the, and I'm going to call them now, the hystericals. Okay? There's a little booklet written about a hundred years ago called The Great Controversy by E.G. White. May he rest in peace. And one of the statements he said was this. He said, one mark of the beast is not observing the Sabbath on Saturday. And so you need to know you are marked. We're here on a Sunday as the church and we are here worshipping our God together. Does that mean we are not going to heaven? No. The hystericals. Another popular myth but unfounded myth is that this is a pagan day, the Sunday. You see, the unfounded myth is that under Constantine, the day of the sun replaced the Sabbath. And yes, In A.D. 321, Constantine did bring in a Sunday on the first day of the Jewish week, and he did declare it a day of rest. Why did he do that? Well, you see, the businessmen of those days were making misuse of their slaves, and they weren't giving them any rest at all. And so Constantine had seen the Christians, who already for three and a bit centuries were already keeping their Sabbath um, on the first day of the week, he saw this and he said, okay, that's a good idea, and he legislated it. But the Christians had already been meeting on the first day of the week for three and a half centuries before that. So that couldn't have been the reason why we meet on a Sunday today. Now, there are three views on the Sabbath, and you will probably be in one of these three. The first one is this one, and I've just called it the Lord's Day. There are some who say that 
the Sabbath was given to the people of Israel based on the creation account which we've just read in Genesis, the one in seven principle, one day of rest in seven. And it was given as a sign of God's redemptive goal for all mankind. And yes, he gave it to the nation of Israel too in their ceremonial laws. And when Jesus died and rose again, the redemption was fulfilled and it was marked by a Lord's Day on the first day or the Sunday. And that's why the early church met there. So that's one view. The second view is this, the Sabbath. And I've called it just the Sabbath view. Some believe that the Sabbath was a creation ordinance, exactly like we've just read in Genesis 1 to 3, and it stands till the end of the existence of this world. It was given as a gift to mankind, all men, and the Lord never said that the day should be changed. And the Sabbath is a sign of God's covenant of redemption with Israel. And therefore we should continue to meet on the seventh day, the seventh Jewish day, the Sabbath, on a Saturday. The early church changed that day, but that was by force, because of Constantine. So that's the second view on the Sabbath. The third view is this one, and I've called it the any day view. And they believe this, that Christ freed us from the burden of keeping the Sabbath day, The early church met on a Sunday, but that was just because that was a day which suited them. And so today we can just meet on any day, whichever suits us. And so some churches have taken to, and I see what they're doing. There's a church in Auckland, they meet on a Wednesday, and they have their worship service on a Wednesday um, at lunchtime. Not on a Sunday. Because it suits most of the business people there. They can come for a Wednesday worship service. And they would fit into that view. So, which view do you follow? Okay, I'll put it another way. Is it important which view you follow? No, it's not actually. You see, what is important is we need to know what does the Bible say. And that's what we follow. We are not to give in to the spirit of the age, which is relativism. Which means that if it feels right, then just do it. If it suits the hour, do it. We are not to follow the spirit of the age, but we are to worship God in His way. So what does the Bible say? And this is where we get to this next word, the hermeneutic. The hermeneutic, all that means is, what does the Bible say? That was an H. I like it. So what does the Bible say on the Sabbath? All this little word Sabbath means is rest. And Israel had many Sabbaths, not just the one on the Saturday. They had many rests in their calendar. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was a Sabbath. The harvest festival was a Sabbath unto the Lord. The ingathering was a Sabbath. These are all feasts, Jewish feasts. 
The seventh year was a Sabbath unto the Lord. The fiftieth year was a Sabbath. These are all religious holidays. And these are the holidays, the festivals that Paul refers to in Romans chapter 14. And you don't have to turn there now, you can look that up in the week. And Colossians 2, chapter 16 and 17, uh, sorry, chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, where he says this. This is what Paul's referring to when he says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or, and then he uses the word, and your version might say a Sabbath. Literally, it says there the word Sabbath. These are only a shadow of what is to come. But, here's the important bit, the substance belongs to Jesus Christ. You see, what is Paul saying there? He's saying Hebrew diet and festivals and Sabbaths are no longer an obligation for Christians today, but only a foreshadowing or a pointing to things to come. And so, don't let any man tell you, you must do this, you must do that, you must do this. No, you don't. So what are we to do? You see, we are not to get confused with these temporary ceremonial regulations. The Sabbath day on Saturday, which applied to the nation of Israel and those interacting with them, even those staying with them, had to keep that Sabbath with them. And we mustn't confuse that with the permanent example of rest that we saw back in Genesis chapter 2. When God rested. You see, God was setting a pattern there for mankind. One day in seven, I want you to rest as I am now resting. I don't need the rest. You do as mankind. Sabbath was, the Sabbath was made for mankind. Jesus re-emphasizes this when he says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. You see, Christ didn't come to do away with the Ten Commandments and what the prophets were saying. No, he says, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so that doesn't mean, as is popularly believed today, that we do not have to keep the Ten Commandments anymore. Yes, you do. But we are to keep them perfectly. And who can do that? None of us can. That's why we need Jesus Christ. That's why we need the Son of God to have come to keep these laws perfectly and we can be in Him and He in us. And therefore, before God's sight, we keep them perfectly. And so that means, yes, we must keep the Sabbath. But we have to look to Jesus and what He did. And that's the key. So historically, there's my other H. Alright, I had H's this week. Here we go. Historically, What does the Bible say about the Sabbath and how we are to keep it? No, we are not to abolish it, but Christ came to fulfill it, and so we must keep these commands. So how did Jesus fulfill the law? Very quickly, I want to go through it a little bit. Firstly, God's demand was perfect obedience of his moral law. And that still stands, doesn't it? Perfect obedience, which included the Ten Commandments. But that's humanly impossible. And so Christ had to come and he kept God's law perfectly 
And now it's possible for men like you and I and women to keep the law perfectly in Christ, to avoid God's judgment for sin and not keeping the law perfectly in Christ. We've got to be in Christ. And so it doesn't matter whether you keep the Sabbath on the Saturday or the Sunday. It doesn't matter whether you keep it every single Sunday. If you are not in Christ, you stand under the judgment of God. That's the important thing when it comes to observing the Sabbath. Are you in Christ or not? It's not about the day. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ and being found in Him and His perfection that we keep the Sabbath perfectly. Is that point made? Secondly, look at Jesus' example. And this is where we touch on Luke chapter 6, where we were. Jesus observed the Sabbath, but he also declared himself Lord of the Sabbath, Luke Luke chapter 6 verse 5. And he made it clear that the Sabbath was no longer about laws, rules and rituals. And then he did an interesting thing. He led by example. What did Jesus do? Well, the Saturday following his burial was the last of the Sabbaths. The old creation order was over. It was fulfilled in Jesus Christ along with the ceremonial laws and the rituals. When Christ died, that old creation order was over. When he rose again on the first day of the week, the first of the Sabbaths, Luke chapter 24 verse 1, you go to the Greek literal translation in there, the first of the Sabbaths. Your version might say the first of the week. The first of the Sabbaths, of the rests. He was signaling a new beginning. The start of the new creation in him. And as 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it, the old had gone, the new had now come in Christ. And we follow where Christ has gone. He sanctified this day then. He didn't just leave it there. He sanctified this day. He put his stamp on it with quite a few redemptive acts. And I'm going to give you a few examples. How did Christ put his stamp on this? Well, the resurrection itself didn't happen on the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath. It happened specifically on the first day. Matthew chapter 28 verse 1. His appearance to two men on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection happened on the first day of the week, week, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. His two appearances to his disciples subsequently to that, Luke chapter 24, verse 36, happened on the first day of the week. The Holy Spirit descended on the church visibly in those tongues of flames and in the languages they spoke on the day of Pentecost, on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And after that, not much else is written. Because you see, it was commonly accepted in the early church. There was no issue. The issue came later on. What other evidence do we see now from the early church 
We've seen what Christ did. Now let's look at those closest to Jesus Christ, the early church as it was established and as they started their practice. Now we find examples of the church, the born-again church, the new church, starting to meet together, some still meeting on the seventh day, and especially those who had come out of Judaism. They were still meeting on the seventh day. But others had started meeting on the first day of the week. And slowly as the church develops, we see no more talk of meeting on the seventh day. They now have instances of meeting on the first day. I'll give you a few. Acts chapter 20. From then on, the early church met on the first day of the week. The example in Acts chapter 20. And we find in no place that the Apostle Paul shows any sign of disapproval because they are now meeting on a day rooted in paganism. Nowhere does he mention that at all. He doesn't say anything. He joins them. You see, what the early church did was, and the Apostle Paul, his strategy for mission, they would go into the synagogue on the seventh day where all the Jews were gathered together and they would preach the gospel. The apostles would. It was their mission outreach. And then they would meet on the first day of the week as believers. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 to 2, he speaks about the collection for the saints taken up on the first day of the week. In other words, when they were meeting together. Bring your gifts for the Lord's work. Bring it and we will take it up. The Apostle John, who wrote the book of Revelation, says in Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And it was, if it had been on the Sabbath, he would have said, I was in the Spirit on the Sabbath. But he says, no, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Now, I'm not going to push any more points here. Those are just some of the evidence from the Bible. Now, listen carefully to me, please. We're going to step from Scripture now to extra-biblical evidence, historical documentation from the early church fathers. When did they meet together? Just a few examples. There are many here. I've got two for you. I'm going to quote from them. Ignatius of Antioch in AD 110. This is what he said. We have seen how former adherents of the ancient customs have since attained to a new hope, so that they have given up keeping the Sabbath and now order their lives by the Lord's day instead, the day when life first dawned for us, thanks to him, that is Jesus, and his death. That was Ignatius back in AD 110. And then Justin Martyr, another early Christian father, in AD 140 said this, But Sunday is the day which we all hold our common assembly, because Jesus Christ, our Saviour, on the same day rose from the dead. And so there we have the examples of the early church and the church fathers in more recent history meeting together on the Sunday. Now, Another H for you, and this is the application for you today. The heart of the Sabbath. 
What is that really about? Is it really about keeping this day? What did Jesus say? What is the greatest commandment? Thou shalt keep the Sabbath. Is that what he said? No. Matthew chapter 22 verse 37 to 40. This is what Jesus said. The question was asked of him, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And he said this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law, including the Sabbath law and the prophets. So there's a summary for us. How are we to live before Jesus Christ today? Whether we keep the Sabbath on a Saturday or whether we keep a Sunday worship service, how are we to live before the Lord? That is the ultimate question. And that's why I said right at the beginning, this is not a salvation issue, whether it's the first day or the seventh. The heart attitude, that is the salvation issue. When you get to the portals of heaven one day, if that's how it's going to happen, Jesus isn't going to say to you or whoever's there at the gates, which day of the week did you meet? And if it's Saturday, he says to you, I'm sorry, brother. You are now ex-brother. There you go. Not into heaven. He's not going to say to you, were you part of the Baptist church? Oh yes, you guys met on Sundays. No. He's going to say to you, is your heart right with you? And so I have to bring the gospel's emphasis on the laws of the Lord as well. Is your heart right with God? Is your service there for your neighbor? That's what the Lord looks at. Not which day of the week you attend church. Do you love God with all your heart, your soul and your mind? And yes, part of that is, is there one day of rest, which God instituted way back in Genesis, Chapter 3, chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Is there one day which you set apart that you worship the Lord on specifically? Yes, we are to worship the Lord every single day of the week. Yes, we are. 24-7. But there is one day God has given to us as believers that we are to take as a day of rest. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And we are to rest in the Lord. We are to use it to rest our bodies. We are to use it to serve each other in the church. We are to use it to get together as believers and we are to come together and worship the Lord. Is there one day in your week which you have set apart? And obviously I'm preaching to the converted here because you're sitting here. But you might be sitting here but your heart is not worshipping the Lord. Is there one day where you've specifically set apart to come and worship the Lord here? With His people. To give God glory. To love the Lord your God. First, that's a major commandment. You see, we may not no longer celebrate the ceremonial Sabbath day of the Old Testament on a Saturday, but do we use the New Testament Lord's Day on the first day of the week with the same unchanging intent as the original day of rest in Genesis? That is the question. Do you have a day of rest? 
Do you intentionally use this day for what it was meant for? Rest God's way. And by the way, rest doesn't mean inactivity. I was taught that as a child. You sit there, you listen, you stay in your room, you sleep. And I know my dad's alive and he can probably hear this if he downloads it. He did come to later insights, I must say. But it doesn't mean inactivity. Rest on the Sabbath means a different activity. Isn't that what it is? It's also loving your neighbor as yourself. So do we meet with and encourage God's people? Every single Sunday that the God has given to us, unless something unforeseen happens that is urgent, do we meet with God's people? Do we make time to rest and relax ourselves and our families? Do we do good to people we would normally not have the time to do good for? Because we are so busy with our jobs, our mowing lawns and everything else, which has to also happen. This day has been given to us to do good to people specifically. It is a day of activity, yes. But it is at the same time, while you are serving, it is a day of rest. Because in that service, you will rest. That seems to be a contradiction in terms. But it is. Serve others and you will be re-energized. Rest in the Lord. Or maybe it's just become for you too the weekend, as it has to a lot of people. Maybe Sunday doesn't feature anymore in your week. It has just become the weekend. Just another day in which you've got everything to do which you didn't get around to in the week and where other things crowd out this specific day. This is an obedience issue before the Lord. Do you have a day of rest before Him? You see, the meaning of this special day is this. Christ is risen. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Creator and He is Redeemer. And he is, he is the only place of rest for your soul. And we need to obey Him in this and take this rest in Him. It's a set-apart day. That's what holy means. A set-apart day for worshipping Jesus. It's a day for, for saying by what we do and what we don't do, that Jesus, not our work, not our money, is our treasure and our meaning. You see, when we don't do some things and when we do do other things, we are saying through our actions, they are shining out that Jesus is our treasure and our meaning on this day. Put him first. I want to encourage you today. Enjoy this day of rest. He has given it to you as a gift. The Lord's day will only remain until Jesus comes again. And I look forward to, you know, we sang that song just now, seated on the throne. I look forward to that day when Jesus comes again. There will be no more Sunday services to prepare, nothing like this. And I enjoy it, but it's hard work. But there's going to be nothing like that. We're going to be with Jesus Christ forever. And we are going to be experiencing one eternal Sabbath in Him. when we will rest forever in Jesus Christ. Do you look forward to that day? 
And believe me, it's not going to be inactivity in heaven. It's going to be filled with activity in heaven. So don't think it's lying on your bed, listening to classical music and watching angels drift by in heaven. It's not. We are going to be serving the Lord, but in such a way that it's going to be uplifting for us. We are going to not be able to not do anything else but serve Him. It's going to be an eternal Sabbath rest in Him. And so I need to end with three words this morning. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. 